Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? You think that there's a good chance, I suspect, that Antonio Conte is the man. Tottenham finished second. Ooh. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. We're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there, I'm Kathleen McNamee and this is the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. We are finally here, we are at the end of the tournament, England are officially the champions of Europe and some may even say it is coming home. I'm not one of those people, but I did hear it quite a lot last night around Wembley. It wasn't just a cracking final, but all around an amazing tournament too. With me as ever to talk about it is Karen Duggan, but also joining us tonight. We're very lucky to have the one and only Emma Byrne, former Ireland and Arsenal legend. Emma, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for for waking me up so early. <laughs> Our pleasure. I mean, the slave I... driver, Emma. She's a slave driver. <laughs> um, I'm lucky because I'm an hour ahead, so I can't really complain. It is like past nine o'clock here. <laughs> yeah, well, you are very lucky. We've been doing our half sevens most of the time, so this is slightly more appropriate recording time. Um, but <laughs> on a bank holiday Monday, you think eight a.m. is appropriate? <laughs> <laughs> You've lost it. I'm a journalist, Karen. I don't get bank holidays. <laughs> um, so yeah, England won. Uh, I think, Karen, me and you probably said from the start that we knew this was going to happen, but we just didn't want to admit it to ourselves. <laughs> How were you feeling when the final whistle went last night? Um, do you know, it was a weird one because you kind of just, everything lined up for them. I mean, the fact that Pop got injured just before the match, they got away with the penalty in the first half. Germany dominated the second half and then they just ran out of steam. I think it was always just lining up for England to win. So you can't complain too much, but at the same time, you just wish that everyone was at full tilt to make it the final that it kind of the tournament deserved. Now I'm not saying England didn't deserve to win it. They were phenomenal from start to finish, um, but you just kind of wanted to see that final shootout between Mead and Pop just to round it all off. Yeah, what about you, Emma? What was your feeling whenever you saw that Pop was out of the starting lineup? I mean, there was just like a little ripple that went through the crowd as everyone saw her standing on the side crying. It was quite a, a quite a moment, I have to say, in the lead up to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Like um, I have my brother and his two daughters over here. So it was like madness before the game. And then I was like, right, the game's starting. Let me sit down. And I'm looking at the team and I'm like, wait a minute, she's on the bench. And I had to look online, see she wasn't even in the, the, the you know, she was injured, basically. Mm. She injured herself in the, the warm up, which is, was devastating for her and us, you know, know, because. She needed to be on the pitch. She needed to be on the pitch for that German side, particularly there. You could just see that they're so inexperienced. They have a lot of young players and they reverted back to that German team that I didn't give much credit to at the start of the the, the tournament. Um, So, yeah, it was devastating for me, for for the Irish uh, and for the German, I think, more than anything. Because, you know, Germany... They don't have the players to be able to go in like they did before. And it doesn't matter. Be pragmatic. Be very direct. They don't have them anymore. And Pop just brought that in when she came off the bench and scored that header. 
uh, it just completely revived, you know, rejuvenated the team and they became a completely different beast. And then, and when she wasn't playing, not only the fact they don't have her presence on the pitch, just you could see it through the team, the way they started the game, that they were a little bit shaky. They were very um, nervy. They couldn't. Yeah, the first half was frantic, I felt, between mm-hmm. both teams. It was just frantic. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, I expected it from England because they do start games like that and they it was a final. I knew they were going they weren't going to be as good as they were in the semis. And I thought that's where Germany were going to capitalize when in fact they were actually worse. So, um yeah, my brother who who he know, he knows a little bit about women's football, but he was like screaming at the television. He's like, "What's wrong with the Germans? They're <laughs> Germans and they're not acting like Germans." No, it's like they just forgot to take the ball down and relax and it was just misplaced passes that we hadn't seen throughout the tournament. They'd been so slick in all of their play and it just didn't happen in the first half. And then they must have had a talking to at halftime because I do think in the second half they came out really well. But again, they were just missing that kind of killer edge that I think Pop would have brought to them. And then were hit funny. on the counter with a, a fantastic goal, it has to be said. But the, the, the subs coming they, up trumps. The goal that they did get was such a classic Pop mm. goal as well. And the fact that it was coming from across from the wing and the goal was in the right place was able to just muscle. And the only reason she got it was because the England defence completely stepped off her in the lead up to the goal and at every other point England had been pressing them really hard and Germany didn't have that physicality in the box in the way that they do when they have pop like you look at Millie Bryant Lucy Bronze you know they're not the sort of players that you easily you need to either be able to fast enough to get away from them or you need to be physical enough to stand up to them and Germany like Schuller was barely in it for most of the game and I was I was actually surprised it took them until I think it was the 67th minute to take her off I thought like when Wasworth came on at halftime, she actually did quite a better job at directing that Germany forward line. Do you think that Wasserkundberg yeah. should have made some changes a bit earlier, Emma, or do you think she was right in what she did when she did it? Um, no, I don't because, listen, Magoo's goal was a fantastic goal, really enjoyed that, and, and that, change did help that um you know the the pace that came on helped that uh with um I think her name who's the girl that came on was it uh Loman Loman. that came on and that helped a little bit but I actually thought Schuler was gonna do quite well because of her pace because England weren't expecting to come up against pace which they like if you can get behind England with a quick forward, they really struggle, really struggle. So actually, I think that might have knocked them a little bit, the fact that they were coming up against the forward with pace. But the problem was Germany never got behind them, ever. I mean, they didn't really work Mary Earps in the first half. Um, the stats show that. They weren't getting in there. It was really disappointing to see that because I was ex- expecting Mary Earps to be very busy and I was looking forward to that to see how she would react being tested. Um and they just, Germany just didn't have the strength in the squad. Who were they going to bring on to change that? Their best players were out there. Um, Van Tesselenburg brought Lohmann on, who I, who's decent, but she's not really going to change a game. She helped a lot uh, in the goal, but not really change a game and not really cause problems, which you've seen throughout the rest of the game. She was, she was pretty poor. Um, so, I mean, realistically, Germany did excellent in the tournament, considering 
you know, I always look at teams in the Champions League and Germany, they were all, all those players were in Champions League teams from mainly German players, German teams, Bayern, Wolfsburg, and they were so poor in the Champions League. That's why I was like, Germany are not going to do anything in this Euros. Like they were all so poor. So like the men's team, poor build-ups. And then when they get into a tournament, they did really, really well. But I do think Alex Pop was probably the catalyst for that. And also Clara Bull, who I really rate mm-hmm. and who was really, really good in, in her two games that she played. Unfortunately, um, got COVID, which was a big shame because actually I thought she was fantastic and I thought she was going to cause a lot of problems um, down England's left-hand side and right-hand side because she switches. So actually they had two big players out for them, which they couldn't come back from because they don't have the big squad like they used to. And we've talked a lot about it during the tournament and I think it's just been a general chat for everyone considering the fact that Beegman stuck with her starting 11 and then counted on those players to come off the bench. But do you think it was, I know you said a bit earlier that England had some luck in the fact that everything they did probably worked out in a way it didn't for Germany. But do you think it was that squad depth, Karen, that probably pushed them over the edge in the end? I mean, you look at who got the goals, you'd kind of have to say... Yeah, you can't argue with it. I mean, the the only other call was to play Russo. And I mean, she was okay when she came on, but they weren't getting fed great balls. I mean, the end of the match was quite scrappy as well. I don't think Ella Toon touched a ball apart from the one that she scored, but mm-hmm. it's just like everything Serena Vigman did just turned to gold and it came off in the end. Again, Kelly was fine when she came on and she's the one with her top off the end swing and world or European final winner. So that was coming off no matter what. Like yeah. you had to wait to see if the goal was given. And then the top, t- the top still came off. I was like, the timing of this doesn't feel right. No, it's, <laughs> I was a bit like, mm. if you look back on that news to come, is that really what you want to see? But look, um, I mean, the excitement <laughs> that it was, she knew the game was won at that point. But I think, Beekman was has just done an amazing job with them in the short space of time that she's been there and just the directness and how she guarded the team over the hype. I like if Phil Neville was still there, I don't think England would have won. I think he would have bought into the hype too much and they wouldn't and have got out of the group there. stages. <laughs> and I just don't think he had the kind of tactical noose to make England into the team that could beat the likes of Germany and sail through the competition in the way that they did. So I think she's kind of key to it all Mm. I think as well what she brought was a a mentality to that team and like a togetherness that I haven't seen from in in, like their motto or the thing they kept saying to the media before the tournament started was you know pressure is a privilege you know we're playing football this is not the biggest thing that's happening in the world right now we should be feeling lucky and I know teams have said that before but I actually kind of believe that this team felt that and understood that and were able to harness the energy around them very well and kind of block out the noise to a certain extent. I know we had games like Austria where they're a bit shaky and like in the big games they've been a bit shaky from the start but do you think Emma that Wiegmann having won with Netherlands on home turf that she has that little insight or is it just her as a coach that's just very good at bringing a team like this England team who's had superstars forever but just have never been able to click together in the way that saw them win a European championship? I I just think everything was just right 
And, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but everything's just right at the right time. And I think what Vegan brought in was just the right information and being pragmatic. You know, she she's also a, a manager that doesn't like to be in the limelight. Like, it's not about her, it's about her team, which hasn't... The last couple of managers for England haven't really been like that. I feel like it was about them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she's come in, it's about the team. She doesn't... She, you know, succumb to pressure. That was her start in um, 11. And that was it. However, I think if Germany had gone one, two nil up, I think the pressure would have been on her because I thought Russo should have started. Um, And it just happened that England squeezed through a, a poor German side, what I consider a poor German side. And I think if Germany had their players and had been in their form as they as they'd been in the previous games, I think there would have been a lot more pressure on Wiegmann to change earlier. Or if she didn't start Russo, that would have been questioned if they didn't win. As you know, this is football; it happens. They won, so there's no need to question anything. But she's just very, very pragmatic. She's very good information. Um, she explains things very well as a coach and this is what you have to do this is your job don't worry about this I want you to do this and they're very clear on what their roles are in the team and that sounds easy but it's actually not that easy for for a, a coach to deliver that information and also she just she has the back room staff to bring her that information about the opposition and She's just very, very well organized and very pragmatic and very simple instructions. And as I said before, it's about the team. It's not about her. It's about winning games. It's not how she looks. It's not, they played good football. So that's obviously an added bonus, but um, it was about them winning that tournament. And that's that's what she cared about, nothing else. And I think that's been, that hasn't been the case in the last five or six years for England. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, like, even after every single match, and it was the same thing last night, you know, she was asked, Chloe Kelly had her, obviously did her ACL last year, if the tournament had happened last summer like it was supposed to, she wouldn't have been there, she's now scored the winning goal, what what do you think of her performance? And Wiegmann was still refusing to talk about the individual players, she's like, you know, every girl on the team has had their journey I'm proud of everyone for their journeys, but I'm not going to pick out a single one. They all knew what their roles were. They all did their roles. And that's why we're sitting here today. And I thought it was funny that even at the very end, when it was all done and she could say whatever she wanted, she was still sticking to the fact that she didn't want to single anyone out because it was a team and it was a team mentality. And then the entire squad jumped into the press conference and started singing It's Coming Home and Mary Earps was dancing on tables and stuff. So she didn't continue much past that. But it was just, it was interesting to me that even at the very end, she's still almost looking ahead to the next thing. And you could almost see in her mind, like winding up to the World Cup next year and being like, okay, they can celebrate now and they can have their moment. But there's work to be done when it comes to September. Well, we're England, not all that much compared to some of us. (laughs) <laughs> she said a little prayer to the football gods. Um, but yeah, do you think that this win does set them up well for next summer, Karen? Or do you think that this is a squad that needed this moment and this was a winning moment for them, but it's not going to be a long-term sustainable thing? No, I think it is a long-term sustainable thing. I think if you look at the growth of the WSL and 
like the amount of girls who are now playing in the WSL, whereas previously a lot of those English girls probably would have ended up in America playing. Um, I think that it's a symptom of the growth in England and the investment that they've put in. Um, so I think that it is a long-term sustainable thing if they can keep a coach like Serena Wiegmann around. Um, I don't know before this tournament if we would have talked about them as potential World Cup winners, but they're certainly going to be in that conversation now, um, which again is huge. And they keep talking about this being a first step on a journey. I think that um, the captain Williamson, she said that on multiple occasions, kind of just in the lead up to this press conference, that this isn't the end, this is the beginning of something. So that's obviously a line that's been fed to them and something that they're looking to. And they're, a young squad, all these people now will have the likes of Lauren Hemp, who maybe we thought would set the tournament alight. Yeah, she maybe wasn't their best pair, but she's 21 and she's a European champion now. So think about that in a year's time and all the other players coming through. I think that this is probably Ellen White's swan song and then Russo will come in and be the main striker for that World Cup, possibly Ella Toon coming in as well. So it's definitely exciting times for them. And I do think that they'll definitely be have one eye on that um, after the celebrations. I'm not sure they'll be seeing too much today, but they will be looking <laughs> forward towards that uh, in the coming months. What do you think, Emma? Um, I mean, I agree with with Karen. I also think Spain and all the people whose injuries need to come back will have a massive factor. I don't know if England would have been in the final. Had Changing Spain. your mind, like just because I did it, yeah. it's, it's my turn. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on a lot of things. But um, I actually don't think that, oh no, it is a catalyst. Like, listen, they won the Euros. It's a massive thing for, for football in England and Ireland. I always uh, kind of jump on, on the back when, when we want something <laughs> or we need something from them. Um, but it's a massive thing. Like, it's fantastic. But going into the World Cup is completely different, I think. And they're also, as Karen says, they're going to be spoken about, they're going to be considered... Uh, you know, for for one of the teams to win it, which won't help them. Um, They came into this tournament uh, a very, very good team, but winning, nobody was sure. They should be getting there at this stage. I mean, it's expected of them. Um, But going and winning it, they won't like that title. And, you know, as much as I think they had a fantastic tournament, I just think a lot of things went their way as well. Like, you know, that goal, the, the first goal from Beth Mead, I'd look at the goalkeeper, it was a great goal, let's celebrate it, but the goalkeeper needs to do better for me. Yeah, I agree. The ball is bouncing, you can't um, come out on a bouncing ball, you need to stay back, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then a couple of things, I'm like, great, fantastic, but what were they doing? What was the left back doing? What was the opposition? You know, so I think just things went really well for them. The World Cup's different. It's a different ball game. You've got Japan, a very, very technical team, quick players, America, obviously, um, even Canada uh, caused England problems. So, you know, it's a different thing. And, uh, and again, you know, they did extremely well to keep their squad together. They had no injuries. Like COVID was, was pretty rampant during the tournament as well. No problems with COVID. Just a fantastic time for them. And it was just meant to be. And I'm not sure that happened twice in a row yeah I think Serena Wiegmann said last night that she's never gone through an entire tournament without a single injury in her starting squad and it has been quite like she said it was something that they worked a lot on with the team and with the clubs in terms of strength and conditioning and all those things but it's quite remarkable to get to the end and to have the I mean it's the first time ever I think in men and women's heroes history that uh, starting 11 hasn't changed for a single game 
So even that fact, it is incredibly lucky. You mentioned Beth Mead there, and it just made me think of the fact that she was named UEFA Player of the Tournament last night, which I thought was an interesting choice. Now, I will never doubt Beth Mead. I love her. I think she's amazing, and I thought it was great. She won the Golden Boot. But for me, she wasn't the standout player of the entire thing. And I was just wondering, would you guys say... Emma, you're shaking your head, so I think you you might agree. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just the perfect fit, isn't it? It's it, This happened. Yeah. She had a good tournament, okay? Uh, but it's in England. The hype's around Beth Mead. Their name's everywhere. So, you know, they gave it to Beth Mead. But for me, I, I, I think like you, Kathleen, like she's a great tournament. But I would have probably picked uh, Oberdorf. I know she's she's 20. She's a young player, but... So yeah, I agree. I, I would have picked Oberdorf as well. Because um, Oberdorf won the Young Player Award. And when it was announced at the time in the stadium, I was filing, so I wasn't paying attention. I just heard her name called out. And I was like, oh, she must have won player of the tournament. because, And that was totally fair and totally valid. And then they announced Beth Mead. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> just give the vote to Oberdorf. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I would have given the vote to Oberdorf. If you look at Beth Mead's performances, her goals have been extremely crucial. I get that. But those are one tiny moment in in the game. Whereas against Spain, she was taken off. Why? Because she wasn't getting she wasn't doing anything. Mm. She switched flank to go on on Abaje's side. On Abaje marked throughout the game, got taken off. That's not a relatively that quiet yesterday as well, I would say. Quiet, you know, popping yeah. up every now and then, but not a player that, you know, drags her team up to another standard like I would consider a player of the tournament to get. But um, having said that, she scored extremely important goals that got her team to the final. So <laughs> I think yeah. if I was to pick an English player, though, I might have put Keir Walsh possibly. Uh, in the mix, my favorite player. My yeah, favorite I mean, she's player. amazing. Absolutely love her. She's a fantastic player. Um, again, player of the match. Great play, some great moments, but then disappeared a little bit. If Germany a bit stronger, well, we thought McGull was player of the match. McGull was fantastic, and you know, it's difficult. I mean, all the players, there's a lot. Of players it's always going to go to the winning team, but yeah, yeah. And Kira Walsh for me has been very underrated for a long time. Fantastic, watch her play a lot at Man City. Just a fantastic player, unbelievable passing range, and, and just lovely, lovely to watch. So happy enough for her to get it. We'll give it to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy the fact that you two are still slightly on the why couldn't Germany have done it train. And I very much was, but have like watching the celebrations last night, I found it so hard to begrudge this England team to a certain extent. Cause I just think so many of them, you've got like the Frank Kirby's on the team, like again, someone like Chloe Kelly coming through that ACL. And I know every team has them, but there was something about the atmosphere that was actually really nice around the stadium. It wasn't. I know. I, I think he's misunderstood. I'm not begrudging them. I'm actually <laughs> very happy for them. And I think they deserved. I think it's been an, a great achievement. And I was very happy. And there was a little tear in my eye, not going to lie, when I seen them all celebrating. And it wasn't because I was sad. <laughs> um, I was actually, I was actually very, very happy for them. And I know a lot of the players, so obviously I'm not going to be like. Damn. <laughs> 
Um, I'm very happy for them. Um, I just wish they were tested a bit more against a German side that had shown great potential. And I wish they had beaten a team that were world class because then you can be like, wow, they totally deserved that and they did deserve it. But I just wish it was a better final, you know, that, you know, showed the standard that had been throughout the tournament. Yeah, you really did feel the loss of someone like Pop. Looking back at the entire tournament, Emma, since it is your area of expertise, who was the goalkeeper that stood out for you, like throughout the whole thing, group stages, knockout, you can pick anyone? <laughs> well, I I think um, everyone has the same kind of opinion, but I, I loved the Dutch keeper, Daphne van Domseler. I just thought she was brilliant. And, you know, I know what it's like to sit on the bench. Not not very often. I mean, when I was... Not as often as me, but... (laughs) When I was 14, I sat on the bench. (laughs) Um, But I know what it's like for for players, for goalkeepers to have to come off. And I always feel really bad for them because mentally it's such a big thing to, to prepare for a game. And I know you say... Everyone has to prepare if you're on the bench or not, but you don't. You don't really prepare the same, um, especially if you've got a goalkeeper like Sari van Benendel, who is the number one, who never comes off, who's the captain. I don't think uh, Daphne van Domselaar expected to get many minutes at all. So that would have been a different mindset going into that tournament for her. But for her to come off the bench like that and just her whole demeanour in goal, she's, she's very, she gave a very mature... Uh, performance in every game. She's very agile, very good with her feet, everything good in the air. I thought she was exceptional. Yeah, with the Dutch defence in front of her that weren't exactly solid. No, and, and never are. So you can thank the goalkeepers uh, from the Netherlands. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, exactly. But that as well, she was busy. It's not as if she came in and she didn't have much to do. No, she, every game she made vital saves, you know, she came out, she, she swept behind her, her back for, I just thought she was excellent and, and especially the circumstances, how she actually came into to play. Um, and I think Sari Van Benedel has actually retired since then. She probably looked at Daphne's Yeah, she's like, and thought, I'm not getting I did here. think that when I saw her statement. I was like, did you look at Daphne? And you were just like, no, nah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, yeah, I loved watching her. I would love to see her in um, the FAWSL. Uh, I actually tweeted something about someone needs to sign her for the FAWSL, blah, blah, blah. And I had loads of people from Spain like saying, I thought you liked La Liga. I thought you were into like, Can I not like differently? No, you can only no, like a, No, unacceptable. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'd like to see you in La Liga too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, in general, I think it's been a good tournament for goalkeepers, which is nice. I, it's nice to, to be talking about, to not be talking about. Yeah, there weren't too many howlers, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I also thought it was a great tournament for referees. Uh, some shaky decisions last night, I have to say. But um, it, was, it was really good. All female referees, there's nothing wrong with that now, thankfully, because before, yeah. you know, I'd be like, sometimes they just didn't perform. And I'd be like, oh, we don't need all women referees in this tournament if they're not good enough. Like, we need just good referees. This tournament, everybody was excellent. I thought it was a really good tournament. And I think in general, just, you know, um, the, the female uh, presence in the tournament was, was brilliant. 
And you mentioned earlier about whenever you see these big tournaments happen or you hear, see something happening over in England and you think of like what it means for Ireland and what it means for the Irish game. I loved it last night. Like I saw quite a few Irish jerseys around the place, quite a few GA jerseys as well. So there was obviously <laughs> that interest in, with people. What do you think this tournament will do for the game at home in the sense that, you know, I, I've been over here for the entire thing. I've been invested in it. It's been amazing. I I don't really know what the feeling is at home or even within like Irish women's football about what this tournament can do for us. And even just looking ahead to say World Cup qualifiers, what sort of interest there's going to be. Karen, what do you think? I mean, I think it'll generate interest um, and the crowds will probably be a little bit bigger. I'm a little bit sceptical as to at grassroots what it will do. I mean, if we look at the men's game in Ireland, like Ireland had brilliant run in 2016, you know, 2000 early World Cups. Did that help anything to do with the League of Ireland? Was there good investment made? Was there good decisions made in order to progress that league? Not really. Um the women's game doesn't need as much investment to improve as the men's game. Um, but we've been slow to progress in general. I mean, the Women's National League's been going for over 10 years now and we're still encouraging players to get away and as soon as possible in order to progress their careers. I think if we could keep them here until 21, 22, when they're really ready to make an impact in the WSL, because it's going to be harder and harder to get into the WSL now because the game is going to grow massively in England a lot of the European countries are going to say, okay, that's the best league in Europe. Let's go over there. And we might see it go the way the men's league goes, where more and more Irish girls are going into second division, third division, possibly second, third division across Europe. So it would take a big investment and a a clever strategy in order to improve the game here. I think, Emma, you've probably spoken about it, things like just regional centres where it's part of your schooling Um I don't know what what it will do here because it it'll take investment and I just don't know how willing and ready the FAI are yet to do something like that. Would you agree with that, Emma? Or do you think there is going to be a bit of a knock-on effect, even if it is just people seeing it on RT? A knock-on effect as in, you know, younger players, older players, whatever, uh, will be more interested in it because, you know, it's all all about seeing and being able to experience it and knowing player role models. It's always been that way. And over the, the last um, month, six weeks, it's been in people's homes. You can't get away from it. Like, people are talking about it for sure. It, even my dad... He's very negative, by the way, but he he's negative and knows their names now. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and my brother, as I said here, was talking about it. He knew players. I was like looking at him. <laughs> you know, he knew the previous games. So I was like, all right, okay. Never came to watch me once. But, uh, he knows everybody else. And um, so, yeah, it's going to have that knock on effect. But, you know, I've always been that kind of uh person to encourage players to go to England I'm not going to lie because it's the only way to improve you're going to play with top players going to train with them every day try to get to a team that you're going to get minutes because we've had a couple of girls come over and they weren't playing which for me it's not pointless because you're still training but you need minutes and um, 
and you know what are the FAI willing to do because I've been through that process with the FA they've invested crazy money in it and it's they've come to this point it's taken 15 years but you know it started with Hopel getting you know uh, contracts for their England players so they were on a certain amount of money which allowed them to train they they sent individual trainers to the regions so they had to go and they train three times a week that's the start of it you know making sure that your your national team players are getting the extra training they need and then investing in schools and getting the kids playing sending coaches in schools there's a big big process a lot of money but you know the only thing for me I've said it before and I don't know why it's not happening because whatever I say should happen (laughs) I agree I don't know why it's not happening it worked for Scotland Scotland created um like a um a centre, one centre, not even regional, you don't have to do it regional, just one centre in Ireland from the FAI, bringing um, kids in, make it a, you know, connect with a school, with the college, have a group of the best players and keep developing them, whether it's residential, whether, which I think would be better. I mean, it's, it's quite extreme. But you have to work with players. There has to be an academy that they go to, that they want to go to, that they work towards, and then you have to, to to touch base with these players every day. They have to be worked with every day. And that's not going to happen in clubs. It doesn't happen. Um, so well, we yeah, can't expect it to happen while we're still amateur anyway. Maybe if it was semi-pro, it would be different. But not while it's amateur. You can't expect that from clubs. No, I feel like, I'm not saying forget the league. I think you're, mm. they're doing a great job. They still push it, but it needs to be separate. There needs to be, if it's not for the senior team, which I think it should be, you know, everybody getting together. I mean, when we were playing, we... We used to go to, um, uh, did you go to Marino, Karen, no. at the weekends? No. <laughs> so it was an old nun's convent. <laughs> and we used to go every, from Friday to Sunday, we used to stay over every weekend since I was 15. And we used to train with the senior team. And I used to absolutely hate it because I'd go to school Monday to Friday. And then as soon as I finished, I was, I was sent off to, to train. And to be honest, it was, I never had any time to, to spend with my friends and at that age you want to right so you know but we became so much better we all improved so much from that just every weekend that's two days a week uh training with with all of the national team together and it made a big difference and yes it's money but you have to want to invest and you have to want your team to to get better and if you want that so much it will happen it's not it's not a big deal. And that's my big kind of sore point as well. Like we, we started off these home-based sessions and they were almost weekly. Now they're like few and far between just before a camp. And it's really just an extra training session for the people who are already in camp. I don't think you go to those sessions and make a breakthrough and you're spotted and you're brought into camp. I don't think it's working that way. I think it's almost a tick box exercise, whereas it should be every week, even if it's just once a week, it should be consistent. The best under 17s, 19s and even girls in their early 20s who can still develop and break into that team. And maybe when they're finished college can go abroad. They should they be need... regular. Yeah. I think she's they... there in Abbotstown. If I had a lot of money, if I won the lottery, <laughs> I would go to a, a good, a decent college and I would connect with them and I would invest a lot of money in a training facility and I would have the best 25, 30 young 17-year-olds come in, 
Um, they'd be going to college. They can study whatever they want. It shouldn't be narrowed down, which a lot of academies do. They can study whatever they want. You're training every day. They're getting all the professional care they need from physios, from recovery. So it's not a case of traveling, going home. No, they're living in a professional environment. After two years, you'll see the difference. Three, three years, you'll see the difference in the, the senior team with those players filtering to, to, through. So if we have any millionaires that listen to the Koi podcast <laughs> and want to get in touch with any of us on any sort of social media platform. Me and Emma will come email, email, with consultancy yeah. fees as well. Like well, I'll, convince Karen, I'll convince Karen to come out of retirement. And, <laughs> <laughs> and do what? Water girl? <laughs> I don't know if I'd even be fit enough for that. <laughs> I am... A question for the two of you. If you were to pick your moment of the tournament, what would you go for? Karen, I will go to you first. We'll give Emma some thinking time. Since she's yeah, we were asked this on RT and I had a couple of them. Um, well, I thought that Pop was going to be like player of the tournament, top goal scorer and have achieved it all after all her disappointment. So I was kind of saying her first goal and the emotion that brought up that. But in terms of moments that made you kind of just stand up and say, what, wow, it was Russo's goal and Stanway's goal. Mm. Um, just Stanway's because of the significance of it. Extra time, however many yards out, the cleanest strike she's probably ever going to hit. And Russo, because it's a goal I must have watched about 20 times since it happened. And still I'm like, how how did it come off? Like, I mean, through her legs, where, where did that even enter her head to do that? So there, Russo's goal probably is, number one up there just in terms of something that's so memorable from the tournament what about you emma um well first of all she does do that like w- when i went to brighton i went to brighton to finish my career thinking i'd have <laughs> an easy time in brighton <laughs> and she was doing it in training a lot and i was like this who is this kid i'm gonna i'm gonna show her who's boss but i didn't in the end she um, <laughs> little girls all the time um, but yeah, just I think Karen mentioned mine actually. Um, well, I've kind of two moments, but I think when Pop scored her first ever goal in a major tournament, in major Euros, I thought that was incredible. I was like, Pop's been here for yeah. 15 years playing. Like, 31. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, that was a big thing for me. I got a little bit emotional over that one. Um, and then there was a game, I think it was, was it France v Iceland when Iceland scored the, the penalty? Yeah, I think so. They were out. They were out, right? Yeah, yeah, the one all. Yeah. 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 Um, and they were out, but they were just, you know, they were going for it. I really enjoyed that game. And then, you know, when they got that penalty right at the end, I just thought, that's just lovely. I, mean, them, yeah. I thought that was really nice. You know, they were going out of the tournament, but they still had a chance. You could see the team, you could nearly feel it. And um, when, then when they got the penalty and scored it, I was like, just five more minutes. It was like, yeah. and that was, it was over, like literally 30 seconds later. I really enjoyed that game and I was delighted for them that they got that uh, goal in the end because they really deserved it. So that was a lovely moment for me. Another thing that kind of stood out was when Northern Ireland got their first goal and it wasn't that it was standout, it was more so yeah. that kind of, uh, yeah. that yeah. should be us kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we not there? Yeah, that was a really nice moment. Well, yeah. I was glad that they they scored their goal as well. Yeah, 
I, I had the why aren't we here so many times throughout the tournament that I'm actually kind of glad it's over purely so I don't have to go through the torture of reliving why we are there every single day that I go to a game and I'm like we're so much better than some of these teams uh, I know I know the world cups come in this this is it this is it girls no more chances this is it <laughs> No pressure. That's a lie. Huge pressure. <laughs> so much pressure. The nation holds its breath. Can we get being bit in just to like control our mentality for like two weeks? The next like two, three games. <laughs> you might finally get your Katie McCabe dream to come through, Karen. <laughs> get her up in higher up the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I hold my breath. <laughs> Just like Kate McCabe's going to win every game. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take that. Uh, yeah. Well, I think we shall leave it there. And it's a wrap on the Koi Gig pod for today and for Euro 2022. We'll be taking another little break for the next few weeks, but we'll be back before you know it on Tuesday, 30th of August, to preview those two absolutely pivotal games that there are absolutely no pressure on and we're not building up to be completely unrealistic expectations around for the Irish women's team and get ourselves ready for the 2022 WSL season as well. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports is an association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Remember, if you do have any questions or you do want to send us those couple of million so we can start our own academy, our email address is the Koi Gig Pod at offtheball.com com and we will get back to any questions when we return with the show until then thanks emma thanks karen and thank you for listening the koi gig pod and otb sports in association with cadbury a player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support